0: Asbury Methodist Village and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Tool Shed. This is episode 165 of the Fantrax Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, breaking down a lot of hot stove news. The hot stove's been red hot lately, and with me to break it all down is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, you feel all that heat from the hot stove right now?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but it's been ice cold in South Carolina, so that?
0: <laughs> hasn't really helped unfortunately so it, it kind of like equals out the you know the heat from the hot stove and the well okay well, okay, hold on you said ice cold what is ice cold for you in south carolina I like it's been like 40 45 the last oh, few dude. days yeah I, I gotta get you up here to maine man Like, <laughs> <laughs> i would probably freeze and not make it back so you could have a frozen klexicle over there yeah, but that's probably about right but at least we have a baseball news to talk about A lot of fun stuff today, and and this will be our last episode before we get into our Dynasty and Prospect Rankings episodes. We have two of those coming later this week, Wednesday and Friday, so a three-episode week. We'll be doing catchers on Wednesday and first base on Friday, and then two per week after that for the next three, four weeks to finish those out. So it's going to be a lot of fun, but as we said, today we got a lot of hot stove stuff to get to, but before we do... The Usual Housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Rotocleg. I'm at EricCross04. And our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both Chris and I and our YouTube channel. And, of course, check out all the other great stuff that Fantrax and Fantrax HQ have to offer. 2023 Best Leagues are already open, and we have plenty of great content on HQ for whatever sports you are into. All right, with all the stuff, we, we're not going to be able to get like super deep on all of this. We'll go further in depth where we believe it's necessary, but some of these will just be quick hits, especially near the end of the episode. But let's start with Xander Bogarts, you know, a lot of big shortstops. When well, let's get all those shortstops out of the way here. Xander Bogarts going to the San Diego Padres, breaking my heart, but Padres get their man. Now, I don't think this really changes much for Xander. You know, like a star player going from one good you know team to the next. Well, okay, good team. Maybe not for the Red Sox, but whatever. Uh, Bogart's changing teams isn't really a big thing, but I think the bigger question here is what does this mean for Tatis long-term? Obviously, them going out and spending two, what was it, $280 million, I believe it was, over 11, 11 years kind of makes me think that they just don't want anything to do with Tatis at shortstop. So do you think, A, that's the case, Chris, and B, you think this could help him? Do you think maybe him... You know, I'm assuming probably outfield for him full time now, but that's kind of remains up in the air. But you think this is a good thing for Tatis?
1: Yeah, I would. I'm not worried about Tatis long term. I think the, and Machado said it Machado's opting out after this year. So at that point, I would say Xander probably moves over to third and Tatis goes back to short. But for this year, yeah, he's going to be outfield. I guess he'll have both eligibility for this year, but then for 2024. Man, unless an injury happens, I'd say Tatis is probably only outfield. I think he's going to play center field, but no, long term, I don't think they're that concerned about him. I think this is like more of an insurance move because it's most likely that Machado opts out and probably doesn't return. I think Machado is going to go on the open market and get some serious money. And I'm just not sure the Padres are going to be able to pay him like what he's going to get. And I'm expecting a huge payday for Machado next year after the opt out. So, I think that's probably the natural progression of it is that Tatis will be center field this year, probably move back to short, and then Bill Gars moved to third next year.
0: Yeah, I can see that. It'll be funny if he goes to the Mets. <laughs> that would be absolutely <laughs> brutal, but... In 2025, the Mets are going to have like a $600 million payroll. Like, that's the way they're trending right now. Yeah, and, and, that, and that's Boyd like the... doesn't oh, care. Yeah, he yeah, just, they be, care. They just Yeah, he just like, yo, open up the checkbook, here you go. But, yeah, for for bogie, I think this is like, you know, Pretty lateral move, or maybe even a slight increase, because I think going to be a much better lineup around him. Obviously, he's to be, you know, I don't know where he's they're going to, you know, how they're going to slot these four, but I don't think it really matters too much. He's going to have a lot of, you know, run production potential here, more so than he would in Boston, because it looked like it was going to be him, Devers. What do you get from Trevor Story? And then the rest of the lineups, I think slight increase for Bogey in terms of the, you know, the better lineup around him, but. Yeah, overall, I do. I think this will help. I think giving Tatis a break from shortstop, at least for a year, would be good. And then, yeah, I could, I could see Xander moving over there. I, I wouldn't even put it out of the realm possibility to see Tatis go over to third base. I think they have some flexibility there. We'll see. But that was the you know one of the bigger moves to happen over the last handful of days. that broke my heart. The other big two big shortstop moves here: Carlos Correa going to the San Francisco Giants. And Dansby Swanson to the Chicago Cubs, you know Correa, thirteen years—that's a huge, huge it Was at three hundred and fifty million. Was looking at the park factors here for right-handed power. Neither one of the neither Target Field or blanking on the uh, Oracle. Oracle. Yeah, neither one of them play favorably to right-handed power. Both, you know, according to Savant for power. For right-handers, Oracle is second to last, and Target Field is like eighth to last. So not a big difference there. But do you see either Dansby or Correa having any you know big value change either up or down with these? Not in a general sense. I
1: mean, Dansby's coming off a career year, and I think that like it's probably going to be the best year of his career. I, I do like Dansby and what he brings to the table. He's been honestly really good since 2019. I think I've mentioned this on the last pod, but his 2019 season and injury kind of derailed his second half. But the 17 home runs he hit in 2019 were all in the first half, and his average was close to up to 300 before the injury kind of derailed that second half. So I think Danty is going to be pretty solid. It is a slight lineup downgrade, but again, I think the Cubs are, are getting better, and I think it's a good lineup overall. Agreed, yeah. And, and so... Dansby's obviously gonna hit at the top of it. That was the biggest question last year coming in. Everybody was like, oh, Dansby's gonna hit the bottom of this Braves order. And he didn't, and he dominated and had a really good year. So at the end of the day, like I don't think there's much value change for either. Really, the biggest thing, and and Dansby plays literally every day, so he's a compiler, which helps. So I'm not particularly worried about his value just like, you know, tanking by any means. I think he's gonna probably drop off a hair, but not a lot. I don't I don't know how much he steals, but again, who knows how much anybody's gonna steal next year. I mean, last year is eighteen were career high by ten or by eight. Stolen bases previous career high was ten in twenty nineteen. So Correa, just gotta stay healthy, man. I think he's a superstar when he's healthy, and that's gonna be the biggest factor. Like the value change based on the moves, yeah, not a whole lot for me. I mean, Correa, after he left Houston, was a downgrade because anything leaving, anything out of Houston was going to be a downgrade, honestly. Right. And then Minnesota, you know, they seemed like they were going to have a good lineup, but just wasn't that great. And then, you know, San Fran's going to be solid, but but not Houston either. So, yeah, I think it's either fine, but don't really help or hurt their value that much either way.
0: And the first thing I thought of when both of these moves went down was kind of like, who would this benefit on Minnesota? And, you know, and I think, you know, the first two people that came to mind, I think this completely opens the door at shortstop moving forward. I think Uncle will be there for now, but this gives more of a chance for Royce Lewis and then Vaughn Grissom down in Atlanta. I think there was questions like, do they bring in, you know, a a different shortstop? Do they bring Dansby back? Where does Vaughn Grissom fit in? Does he move to the outfield? You know, where was, where does he fit into the, you know, into the lineup? So I think unless they go out and trade some for somebody, which I don't think Well, I don't know. Maybe you have a different thought on that, being you know more in tune with the Braves than I am. But I don't, you know, see why they would try to you know. First off, what else, what what do they have left for assets to trade? First off, but second off, like why would they do that? They have Von Grissom. They don't really need to get a short. They can address other areas of need if they want to. So I think it's gonna be Grissom. I think it's gonna be Royce Lewis when he's back healthy. And I think those are you know a nice little bump in value, short term and long term for both of those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Braves are going to roll with Grissom, but I also think they're going to sign somebody like Elvis Andrews just to kind that. of be there and assist. Like He's a veteran presence to kind of help Grissom. And I think that it'll be interesting because I think that'll open up some reps for even Grissom to maybe play some left field in the process. I hope the focus will be short. Like I don't want him to be in the outfield in a, right. a natural position because we saw what happened with Andrew Vaughn with that, but... Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're comfortable. They know. I mean, Grissom's been working with Ron Washington all offseason, and Washington's kind of the infield guru. <laughs> I saw somebody talking about how bad the left side of that Braves infield was going to be, which kind of baffled me because Austin Riley is a really good glove at third base. Yeah, he's pretty solid. Yes. And I'm not sure people realize that. Like, you just watch him and he's really good. What Washington does with all those infielders is incredible. And Grissom himself's a fine shortstop. I mean, he's not going to be a stud, but he's going to be serviceable enough where the bat will be fine. So right. if they do keep Grissom at short, I'd really like them to address left field. They've got Rosario, they've got Ozuna, but like, can they dump both those guys off and get a good left fielder? That would be ideal. Don't know if it happens, but yeah, I would say that it's Grissom and you know, it's, it's Lewis until or when he's back. But when does he get
0: back? Probably like June. Yeah. So that, that, that last thing I heard was probably yeah about a third of the way into the season or so.
1: So when does like who fills in? Is Polanco play short until so it's like Polanco and Nick Gordon?
0: Probably, and then they probably move Polanco maybe back to second and Gordon to kind of like a super utility role where he kind of played a lot last year.
1: Yeah, Gordon's sneaky man. I really like Nick Gordon for this year. I do I too. He did a lot of good stuff down the stretch, so I'd be watching him closely. He may just take off with the job. I mean. Polanco is just okay, but Gordon can play kind of everywhere. So that kind of helps his value too. Buxton will get hurt and Gordon can play center field. Most likely what happens.
0: Oh, absolutely. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way Bucks gets through a whole year. <laughs> so yeah, I can see Gordon playing a lot of center field and you know, Polanco back to seconds, you know, he, he's pretty solid there. And then Royce Lewis at short when he does return. But yeah, Grissom, like I, I think I said before, I forget where, if it was an article or in here, like if you just completely miss on like the top or you know, whatever the top 16 or whatever it is shortstops, and you're like crap what do i do now you know go out and get Avon von grissom he won't have eligibility at the start of the year but he'll have by the end of april most likely so yeah. you can find, find a stop gap until he gets eligibility i think he's a a fine yeah you know, maybe he's near the back end of guys that i would want as my starting shortstop but I think he's absolutely fine he could be you know a 2010 type i think he could be you know fairly close to jeremy pina long term i don't think there's a big gap there so definitely yeah, yeah. and he's, I think he's going closer to like you know what pick 175, 180, something in that range, so pretty fair price for what he can bring to the table as well, so like him a lot this year. All right, moving away from the shortstops here, a couple of big signings in the Big Apple, Aaron Judge staying with the Yankees, and Carlos Rodon going to the Yankees from the Giants, so Giants lose him, gain Correa, obviously Judge staying where he's been the entirety of his career is not, you know, we don't really need to talk about Judge, but Carlos Rodone is kind of like the bigger talking point here, switching teams, switching coasts, switching leagues. Do you see any you know value change for Rodon here? Or, or do you think it's just gonna be business as usual and he's still gonna be the same old Rodon that we've seen the last two years?
1: No, I think he's fine. I think people are kind of quick to freak out like about a, a move to Yankee Stadium, but honestly, it's it's not that bad. One, you look and Yankee Stadium kind of plays neutral, pretty similar to Oracle for right-handed power, at least. And against lefties, like, yeah, it benefits lefties and righties that can go oppo, but Rodon allowed just four total pulled fly balls in 2022, which is pretty nuts. I mean, like, the fact that he can just, you know, dip that slider away from him, pump up the fastball, it it really benefits him. Just two pulled barrels also to left-handed batters. And, you know, I've been asked, like, can – Pitchers control the batted ball direction. I'm not sure there's any proof to that or not, but the reality is that when you have that slider like Rodon does, and you can pitch away from lefties, they're they're not going to be able to pull it. And he locates the fastball so well up in the zone, hitters just can't get around on it. So I think everyone kind of is quick to kind of comp him to like a the Montas situation we saw Montas really struggle, but I don't think Rodon struggles at all. I still think that his I think his value is. Probably increased a bit because he's going to get more wins, or at least should get more wins, on that team. Maybe the pressures of pitching in the Bronx are are tough. We don't know. Like from a mental right. standpoint of how he responds to that, and we've seen people go to the Bronx that that struggle just because it's it's hard to perform for that crowd and the media there. I'm not sure there's a harder place in baseball to perform than with the Yankees. So we'll see if he's up to that test. But from everything else, I think he'll be fine.
0: Yeah. I think three toughest places to go into are probably for the Yankees in Boston and probably LA for the Dodgers. You know, he's pitched in Chicago, obviously third or it's the second, no, third biggest media market, but there wasn't, you know, there's not a lot of pressure pitching for the White Sox. And then same with the Giants, you know, the Bay Area is a fairly big media market, but there's not a lot of pressure pitching for the Giants either. So that has to be factored in. I do wonder if, you know, Yankee Stadium does play slightly fav- more favorably to right handed power. I wonder if they, you know, opposing teams just stack righties against them. You know, I think overall the division's a little harder. I 110% agree this is not a Montas situation, not even remotely. So I was beating the, I'm like, hey, Montas is going to be bad. And he was, but yeah. Rodon off a much better pitcher than Montas, much different pitcher, obviously, lefty versus righty to start off. So yeah, I don't think, if anything, like I tweeted out, that maybe it's a m- very minimal downgrade in value, but not much at all. Like I said, it could be an upgrade with the, you know additional wins. I hate to speculate on those because you know we've seen how fluky they are. But I-, I think overall he'll be fine. Like he's still Rodon. I don't. People are worried about another thing. I see people still worried about with Rodon is the you know the hell like he's been pretty healthy for two straight years now. So it's not something I'm really that worried about much at all anymore. So I think he's still like a top 15 or so pitcher. I'd have to pull up my rank and see where I have him. I think I have him in that 13-14 range or so. I mean, he could be a few spots higher, but pitching is a so, so deep at the top. A lot of great names in that range. You know, guys like Spencer Strider, Aaron Nola, etc. So a lot of depth there, but I do still, I still like Lourdone a good amount, though. You know, I kind of wish my Red Sox got him, but you know, Yankees get the man. That rotation, not to get off topic here, that rotation is absolutely loaded now. I mean, like Montas is their five. And yeah. like Nesters are like, what, three or four? Sevi's a three or four, depending how they work that. And then Cole and Rodon at the top. Maybe, maybe that's another thing, too. Maybe Rodon has had to be the guy, you know, the last couple of years. He doesn't have to be like the number one guy. Like, that's Cole, right? So maybe that takes a little bit of pressure off of him. Who knows? A lot, a lot of intangibles, who knows? But I think Rodon... Not a big change in value whatsoever. A couple other New York sightings here. that We already talked about a lot of them last episode or two episodes ago, whenever that was. But they got recently Justin Verlander and Kodai Senga adding to their rotation to go along with Max Scherzer, Jose Quintana, and Carlos Carrasco. So you got to wonder, obviously there's some injury risk there, a lot of age, but right off the bat, it kind of leaves two trendy later round pitching targets without a rotation spot in david peterson and tyler mcgill what are your thoughts on all that chris
1: yeah it's interesting
0: it's funny to
1: see kind of all the debates between the mets and yankees rotation first off i mean yeah the the top of the mets rotation is nasty but so is the top of the yankees and it's just so much deeper like the the yankees rotation is much deeper than the mets like if we went to a series that needed five arms. Like, let's say they played five straight days. I'd take the Yankees' rotation pretty much all day over them. It, the Mets have a lot of depth, though. So you got to give them that. Right. The situation is going to be interesting with like, which Jose Quintana do we actually see? Like, <laughs> so weird like that he rebounded like he did. But we're, you know, looking at a pitcher who will be 34. I mean, Carrasco is going to be near 36. They've got an almost 40-year-old Verlander and almost 39-year-old Scherzer. Senga's going to be the youngest one in the rotation by a good bit at 30. So you know durability will be kind of interesting. You know They have David Peterson, as you mentioned. They've got Tyler McGill. They've got even Eliezer Hernandez, who signed there this offseason, or even I think they may have traded for him. But you know, how do all these fit in the puzzle? I don't really know. I don't think they McGill or Peterson and I mean they just acquired Hernandez so that doesn't make sense but oh man I would I love for them to trade one of them because I did like McGill and Peterson a decent bit where they Be were going to draft yeah so now I think when looking at it you can think about more well some of these guys may end up getting hurt I mean we've seen all these guys have injury issues I mean, Verlander's been, outside of Tommy John, been the most consistent on the mound, which is just kind of nuts to think about. But Carrasco, I mean, he's been up and down. I mean, Quintana somehow threw 165 last year after combining for just 73 innings between 2020 and 2021. So I think there's a lot of questions still at the back end of this rotation, and I'm not sure that's what Mets fans want to hear, and I'm sorry, but there's some question marks. And (laughs) what do we get out of Senga? I think that's still the biggest question of how does Senga translate? He may, here's what I think may happen. He may dominate off the bat because hitters really haven't seen him, but he also could struggle. I mean, trying to grip the balls, like the, the kind of pitches he throws, like the ball's totally different here. I mean, you're talking about a a very pre tacked ball in Japan and, that's pretty big difference so you know i'm curious as to how senga will will do because there's kind of mixed reports but like the fork ball definitely requires a good grip on the ball and that could change you know i'm i'm interested to see what happens like i think there's definitely upside but there's also i think there's a solid floor with Sangha. so we'll see what we get but yeah it's certainly interesting to see all the the moves made for the Mets. the Mets just don't care about money at the end of the day, and good for them. I mean, I wish I wish every team had an
0: owner that would just throw money like that. Yeah, don't don't we all? I wish even if, I, I don't I don't want to see these. I, I don't really care about Oakland or Pittsburgh, but like I don't like that there's basically at least half the league you can just rule out from being a World Series contender right off the right off the bat. Right, and Oakland they just made a you know their version of a big money signing and getting Trevor May for seven million dollars over one year, but. With the Mets there, yeah, I was, it's funny, I tweeted about David Peterson, I think it was like late morning, and then like that evening, like Senga signed, I'm like, well, mm-hmm. so much for that, Yeah, and yeah, I looked at McGill a good amount too, even though he was already on the outside looking in, and now he's probably their seven, with Peterson being the six, you gotta imagine, but yeah, obviously with how old that rotation is, with, you know, a 40-year-old and, what is a you 39, I think, or 38? Yeah,
1: He'll be 39 at some point during next
0: season. Yeah, so you got two guys, 39-plus, leading the rotation. Obviously, it's not smart to expect 200 innings out of them. So I'm sure Peterson and McGill will get their starts. But, yeah, it is kind of a, a bummer for them right off the bat because I was targeting them a good amount, you know, kind of where they were going, you know, post-300, even further back from McGill. So it is a slight downgrade for them right now. But I think just be patient. Maybe this is, creates a good buying opportunity because people think that they won't be in the rotation at all. Price drops even further. They'll probably get in rotation at some point. But with with Senga, then obviously the other one, Yoshida, signing with the Red Sox here, it's going to focus on th- those two for a quick second here, where they should go in FYPDs. I think Senga obviously is the, even though you should have more money, which still doesn't make much sense to me, but Senga is the better, you know, bet for fantasy value, got the higher upside. So he's one that, you know, I think we talked about it a little bit where. Depends on your kind of contention window. If you're rebuilding, maybe it doesn't make sense to draft Senga unless you have that have it in mind to draft him only to flip him, but you probably aren't going to go after a 30-year-old pitcher in a rebuild. But if you're a contender, I could see if you were like contender in the hunt needed a pitcher, would you consider him at one over the big four shortstop bat or big four bats in this class or would you not even go after him at one?
1: No, I think so. I think if, especially in a points league and if you're contending and need an arm, I could see that for sure. But and, and there's risk. Like, Chances are that two of those big four high school guys end up being bust, which you hate to say, but that's just the probability right. of the game we play. So I don't know. It makes it tough. I think you know what at least you're getting out of Senga. You're going to get a, an arm that's going to be pitching right away and be pretty solid with some upside. So I, I think he's top five. Like I've got him five in my FYPD, but I can see the argument for one in the case that you are continuing an arm and especially in a points league.
0: Yeah, totally agree with there. How about Yoshida? Where do you think he slots in? I've, I've kind of been struggling. You know, obviously something a bit easier to rank, but Yoshida, you know, the upside isn't quite there, you know, probably hits for a decent average, a little bit of pop, but I don't know, maybe around, I've kind of settled in around 20, ish in my FYPD rankings maybe that's a little low could be too high I don't know what are, you, what are your thoughts there he's been hard one to rank for me
1: yeah I mean I'm struggling to go higher than than 20 there's just a lot of talent plus like I just think he brings more real life value than he will fantasy right I don't know I mean he's gonna he seems like he's gonna be a type that gets on base at a pretty high clip but I'm not sure how much power he brings to the table and that's my concern like, we know he's not gonna run he's not going to be the best in the field. Like he's going to be an okay fielder. And so it's weird to even say that he brings more real life value, but I think that's kind of just from the standpoint of being on base a decent bit. And again, I'm not sure what kind of power translation we see to me. He profiles as like a 15 home run bat with no speed and what kind of average we get, I think is still up in the air. So I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to go much higher than, and 20 on him
0: yeah that's kind of my thought process too and like you know i've seen a lot of comps which i kind of think is accurate to alex verdugo which if you've heard me at all i think he's the most boring overrated fantasy player ever he's is he he's fine he's okay but very limited upside i think that's what we're looking at with yoshida but he's the shiny new to, oh, shinier new toy than comparing him to verdugo so he'll probably get you know, I can see him being taken like closer to ten in the FYPD. I don't agree with it, but I think around twenty is fine. But hey, if you're in like a 15, 20 team dynasty league and you know you're a contending team and you want to you know keep you know get a near a value now, then I can see taking him. Like if I just won the league or was finishing high and I pick right around there, you know, I could see taking him over. You know, like a like a Drew Gilbert or you know Jordan Back or someone else that'll probably be in that range just to you know help my team now. So. I think he's actually might fall into a range that would benefit some some contending teams in FYPDs, though. A couple other bigger-name signings, or... Yeah, these are all signings, right? Yeah, big-name signings here over the last week or so. Kenley Jensen to the Sox, my Sox, Red Sox. Wilson Contreras going from one rival to the next, down to St. Louis, and Trey Turner going... To, I felt like so long ago at this point, but Trey Turner going to the Philadelphia Phillies. Any any big value shifts you see in any of these three moves, Chris?
1: No, I mean it's it's interesting to me to see all these like you know especially like Jansen to the Red Sox. It's weird that he's been a Dodgers lifer and went to the Braves for a year, now into Boston. So he's interesting. The pitch clock's going to be something to watch with him because he's the slow was the slowest pitcher in baseball last year. How does he handle it? I did hear someone talking about the fact that he worked to speed that up down the stretch. Don't have any numbers. I'm not sure there are any numbers out there to prove that he did. But if he did speed it up in the second half or at least over the last couple of months, then he must have been really, really slow in the first half, like because he's still one of the slowest pitchers there are. Contreras, I mean, yeah, it's a definitely a nice lineup boost, I think. The Cubs, especially as of recent, like we saw the Cubs kind of trade away everything. So that'll be an interesting move to see like where does he slot in that lineup? Because it is a a really solid lineup overall in, in St. Louis. And man, are they done? Like they may go make a big splash for a trade. I I would be interested to see what they do there. From a ballpark standpoint, though, like it is kind of interesting. You know, they're they're similar between the two. So, you know, you're getting a small upgrade, but not I mean, pretty much identical, I think, overall. So not much going there, just basically looking at the the lineup upgrade for Contreras and where he ends up hitting in the lineup. I'm gonna look where roster resource has them. Obviously that doesn't nothing set in stone there. Those guys do a great job, but
0: probably 2nd Second? That'd second? That'd be awesome.
1: Okay. Yes, I'd no, love I'd like
0: that. i like that. I was I was thinking fifth. That seems like a good spot, but second, I would love. Who do they yeah. so I'm assuming they probably have either Edmund or Newt Bar leading off yeah, and Ed, then Goldie Edmund. and Arenado?
1: Yep. Edmund, Contreras, Goldie, Arenado.
0: Man, that would be that's pretty ideal. Pretty yeah. Even if they want and I can see them, you know, kind of lengthening that a little bit going a new than admin then like goldie arenado and Contreras five i could see that sure. see, see how that either of those spots would be a yeah. second would be great hitting in front of those two a lot of runs scored there even for a catcher so that's that's it that'd be a great spot for him yeah and you know what's
1: another thing in this lineup that's interesting this off the Contreras topic is that dylan carlson's probably going to be the odd man out here which is really weird to say. Like, he could just be out of a job completely, but... The
0: the fall from grace there, like, yeah. though, he, that's not overly surprising because he, like, he was, like, a solid prospect and all of a sudden you know, he had that huge year in double and triple-A when he was, like, moving up to be, like, a top-10 prospect. So, you know, I feel like we've seen this kind of path before. Like, good prospect, breaks out for one year in the upper minors, gets a lot of hype, then just can't live up to that hype because, you know development is not linear and you need more than just that little breakout to you know I, I didn't think I was not high in him that much at all I moved, I did move him up when he had that breakout but I think I was always a bit lower on him and this numbers have not been there and they seem to be getting worse and worse like the quality of contact has been absolutely atrocious like you know in the you know exit velo and like the 85 mile an hour range or something like that so and I think it showed when they all the moves they made over the last couple of years and you know, bringing up, you know, giving more time to guys like Newt Barr and Juan Upez and, one and or, you know, soon to be Alc Al Burleson too. Like, I think these don't envision him as part of their long-term plan. So I don't know if you can get, I don't know what you could even get for Carlson at this point, but even if he's got like a draft pick or something, it might be worth just seeing what you can get at all for him.
1: Yeah, I'd probably look to dump him in a trade. Back to the Al, you, the question you asked me, Trey Turner's the other one. Yeah, I, I don't really see much value change there. I mean, he's... Good lineup to good lineup. He's going to hit at the top. He's going to steal a ton of bases. So, you know, he may end up doing better because he's you know hitting leadoff, and I think he may get more green lights with Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, and I saw someone say, I forget who it was, that they think Trey Turner's going to steal 50 this year with the, with the new rules.
1: Yeah, I did hear Which somebody he, talking about that. We
0: know he has the speed to do so. Yeah, yeah and, and maybe and he's kind of the piece that, you know, obviously – Philly can mash. We know that, you know, anybody in that lineup can go yard at any one time, but they kind of were missing the, that get on base, the speedster type to kind of get on base, wreak havoc in front of all the big mashers. So I think, yeah, you know, I don't think this would be any big value change, but if he can even get another five, 10 steals this year, you know, being leadoff now for Philly plus new rule changes, that's why I still have him as my 1-1 overall. I know we can go. Ahead- a few different ways. Some people have Joe Ram. Some people go Acuna, you know, Otani, depending on format, but I still have in all non Otani dominant formats. I still go to turn as my one, one, but yeah, you know, as I think he could go, you know, 25 to 30 home runs and 50 steals this year. I think that's definitely possible with like 120 runs scored and probably a good amount of RBI too. Cause that bottom of the lineup for Philly ain't that bad. Like who's hitting down there? Like Bryson Saw, like Alec Boehm and Brandon Marsh. That's, you know, <laughs> That's not a bad right. like seven through nine either. So that's no, better better
1: than most teams, I'd say. So, for sure. uh, yeah, you're right. The last three were Boom, Stott, Mars, so I'd like to yeah. see that for sure.
0: And, and with with Jansen, real quick, I, I it's funny how slow he works. I don't think Red Sox fans are gonna be phased by that because we had Clay Buckles for so long, who was the slowest worker I have ever seen in my entire life, which was super annoying. So we're used to that at this point. With Jansen, I think he's fine. I think he's still you know, a top 15-ish reliever for this year, I just didn't get the move because we're not going to be contenders anytime soon. So, the to move in general is kind of weird, and I was kind of actually hoping that we might see help get in that role, or Whitlock, but right now they're being worked as starters. Who knows? I still want to see how those, those are like the, the two pieces in Boston that I'm like we're really looking at. Like, right, where, what is their role? How can Whitlock, what's their role in, tw- in 2023? But Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back on the other side to get in a big three-team trade and much more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get this big three team trade here, Chris, that your Atlanta Braves were involved in. Some of the bigger pieces here that were moving to Atlanta, Oakland, and the Milwaukee Brewers. So Atlanta got Sean Murphy, gave up William Contreras, which went to Milwaukee, and also giving up that went to Oakland. Three pitching prospects, Kyle Muir. Ferdie Tarnock, and Roy Bersalinas. And then from Milwaukee to Oakland was Asturie Ruiz. So there, there was other more minor parts here, but I think these are the ones that are you know worth focusing on for fantasy purposes for this show. I mean, there's a lot to unfold. Now, let's start with Sean Murphy going to your Braves, getting out of the hitter's you 8G know, double hockey stick that is Oakland and that Coliseum there. So I like this move for Murphy. Look at his home road splits. They were very different last year. Going to a much better lineup as well. It's Oakland, It was really him and you know a bunch of crap around him. Much better lineup, much better park. So I like this move for Sean Murphy. Yeah, easy upgrade.
1: I think some would like to say it's a downgrade because it's playing time. But let's be real. The Braves didn't just give up everything left in their farm system to play this guy halftime he may not catch every day, but they've said he's going to DH when he doesn't catch. So at the end of the day for fantasy, you don't care how he gets the plate appearance. He's going to get the plate appearances. It's an upgrade in my opinion, for a lot of reasons for lineup. I mean, you're going from the worst park in baseball for right handers to, you know, borderline top 10 park. And I just don't see how this is a downgrade in really any circumstance at all. And the benefit is that Murphy's so good behind the plate too that he's not going to split evenly with Travis Darno. It's not going to happen. Like Murphy is an elite fielder, and that's why they traded for him because he's got an elite framing, and then he's also got an elite arm. Like he threw the Braves were awful at throwing out runners last year, and that could have got exploited this year, but you get someone who threw out thirty-one percent of the runners that. That tried to steal on them last year, which seems you know, small, but the Braves only threw out 22, and I think that's pretty significant, like upgrade. I got the Braves allowed a ton of steals last year. I'm pulling up the exact number, but they so many, yes. Yeah, so the Braves allowed 82 stolen bases, only threw out 22. Murphy allowed 42 and had 19 caught stealing, so much more significant right there, and. I think it's a a great move. Murphy's value only goes up in
0: my opinion. How many of those eighty two were to John birdie though probably a <laughs> lot was <laughs> in like wild. that two month stretch where he like you know had like thirty in like a month and a half but yeah i I think this is easy, easy upgrade. I almost wonder do you think they get rid of Travis Darno before the season, or do you think he's still there? Possibly
1: I don't know. they keep saying they're committed to him, but- they're not going to come out and say they're they're going to trade him I mean right that. That just doesn't make sense. I'll be interested if you can package Darno with Eddie Rosario or Marcelo Zuna and get a left fielder back. Like, that would be what would interest me. Who would be their backup catcher, I think, is the question. But there's guys sitting out there on the the free agent market that they could grab. So I'd be looking to make this move probably sooner than later. I mean, they've already got Chadwick Tromp as well. I mean, like, he's whatever. <laughs> I
0: love that he, name too. Yeah, Chadwick. Right.
1: Chadwick, yeah, I mean it's whatever. Like he's serviceable, but there's still some decent free agent options. So if you make the trade sooner or later, you might can go snag one of these guys. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I could see them trading Darno for
0: sure. So the other catcher to move here. So obviously, big upgrade for Sean Murphy. I think there's, you know, I think it's a not as huge of an upgrade as it was for Murphy, but I think it's a at least a minor upgrade for William Contreras. You know, maybe you know, obviously a slight downgrade in the lineup. Not though, Milwaukee's lineup isn't bad, but obviously it's not as good as the Braves. Park factors, you know, aren't that different between Truist and what what do they call it up there in Milwaukee now? American uh, American family, family, yeah, whatever. Some... I, I I still think of it as Nor Park, but <laughs> not a big difference between the two parks. But just the fact that probably gets more playing time with milwaukee between catcher and dh and not doesn't have the share time with it, like a travis de no type so this is i think this is a nice little upgrade for william Contreras as well and i think he could be a borderline top five catcher this year i don't think he's gonna break into that you know that elite top tier which we got what adley jt bar Show, and will smith and maybe you can throw kirk up there but i think he'd get close to kirk and close to his brother this year be like a you know two sixty two seventy type with twenty five plus home runs and some solid winning stats. So I like this move a good amount for William Gutierrez. So I think he's a legit bat and love the additional playing time for him.
1: Yeah, I certainly do too. And you know, Milwaukee has a good track record of kind of developing catchers. So that'll be fun to see what happens. And the bat's really good. So and I know people kind of crapped on the Braves, or like oh they trade an all star catcher for Murphy, but The bat was what made Contreras an all-star at the end of the day. So Right. Oakland just had a a huge L here, in my opinion. Like I'm not (laughs) sure what they were doing. Does Uh, that
0: surprise you though? Like they always seem to make these deals where it's like they they value quantity over quality. And I'm not saying they got bad pieces. They got some decent pieces, but it just makes you scratch your head like you could have gotten more for Sean Murphy. I mean this might look fun for fantasy purposes because of all the you know the values that are going up because of playing time. But in a real life sense, I think they could have gotten a lot more for a guy like Sean Murphy. who was a Gold Glove caliber defender, too.
1: Yeah, with three years of control, like that's right. that's a significant thing. I mean, it, just to run down what they got. I mean, Estri Ruiz is—I don't know the best way to put it. He had a phenomenal <laughs> year, but this is like feels like another Christian Pache situation, like where you, you get the guy who you think is going to really take off and be solid across the board. But honestly, like,
0: I don't see it here with, with Ruiz. I mean... And, and this also kind of reminds uh, they're very different players, but kind of what I was saying about Dylan Carlson, where it was like Ruiz was okay for a long time, had a huge year, you know, in the upper minors. Value was all there, then he struggled to meet that. I think that could be another... I'm not saying he's going to, but it just kind of feels similarly where his, a lot of his value has been created over the last you know 7 8 months or so
1: yeah and his home run totals were really propped up by playing in super hitter friendly leagues which in the minors which helps yep his, his average EV last year in the minors was 84.8 miles an hour that's so good it's just not going to cut it and so that that should kind of tell you a little bit about the fact that he his home run totals were completely elevated by just where he played and I don't know, like, if you can call it what you want to, but I think this is going to be a a situation where people are just really disappointed in Ruiz. So get that one out of the way. The Brewers got a huge win. They had a crowded outfitter. They traded Ruiz straight up for Contreras. Basically, is all what happened here. And then on the flip side, you had, yeah, you had the Braves give up a lot, it seems like, but at the end of the day, like, you know, Kyle Muller is... How old now? 25? Something and he's like he's yet to crack the big league rotation. And, nor... and you, tra-
0: you traded from a position of extreme depth. Yeah. Like these guys were like, what, you're 8, 9, 10 in your depth chart or even lower mm-hmm. than that with Solanoz?
1: Right. And and Freed's the only one that could be gone to. Freed's got one more year. But other than that, everybody's wrapped up for a pretty long time. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're Mueller is 25 years old. He's been in the system since 2016, and he's yet to crack the rotation. So that... Is to me, I think Mueller was going to get a chance to start this year in Oakland. So good for him. Like he gets the opportunity. Tarnock's just kind of a high floor. Like he he could be a solid five, but he could also be a, just a long reliever. Royber Salinas is fun to watch, but he doesn't know where he's throwing the ball ever. I mean, <laughs> the fastball's at hundred. The slider's nasty. He may slot in the rotate. I mean, the bullpen sooner than later for Oakland, but he's not going to be a starter. They may try to give him a chance to starter, but he—he's when I saw him this year live, I like there's zero chance of him being a starter. So, at the end of the day, Oakland did pretty poor in my opinion, especially considering the ask price they gave to the Cardinals, which was something stupid if I remember right. Like I don't remember exactly what it was, but it wasn't—they didn't get near the return that they could have. I guess so. Interesting move.
0: Yeah, it's like Oakland's your AAA team along with Gwinnett. You've AAA teams, Oakland and Gwinnett. So. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't, I'm not excited by any of the pitching prospects going over there. You know, you said it very well with all these, you know, maybe you get back end types from Miller and Tarnock, Salinas, probably his highest upside, but the lowest floor as well. Who knows what his role is long-term. Yeah, I, I think I like this for Ruiz. You know, I definitely echo what you said about the bat, but at the same time, I think they could just slot him, you know, maybe do the top of the, maybe even lead off and just let him run wild. So he could add a lot of value with his legs, even if the bat isn't great. But at the same time, I don't think he's going to be terrible with the bat. I think he could be like 250, 10, 12, 14 home runs, something like that. Uh, But he could be, you know, this year could be 30 plus steals too. So I think he could add a lot of value that way. So if that's what you want him for, great. If you're, getting him, whether it's Redraft or Dynasty, in hopes that, hey, look at this, look at the plate this last year. He could be a 280-20 type. I think he'll definitely be disappointed with that, but I do think he could add a lot of value with the legs, though, but this was a fun trade all around for fantasy purposes. A lot of, you know, increased value there. You know, Milwaukee gets rid of that, a little bit of that glutton in the outfield, and Ruiz has a much easier path to playing time, though the lineup around him is going to be absolutely terrible, but all right, let's go. There's a lot of other moves here. Let's do some quick hits. So we have like 12 other moves on the, our sheet here. So let's do some quick analysis on these, starting with Noah Syndergaard to the Dodgers. You know, Syndergaard's been kind of, you know, kind of meh the last few years. And even when he's been healthy, it's been the you know, K-Rates a lot lower than it used to be. He's like a mid four ERA guy. Do you think that the Dodgers can work their magic on him, Chris?
1: I think it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. I, I traded him... The day of the trade and the dynasty for Jeffrey Springs. That's a and good. I had some, yeah, I had some you know, regrets off the bat. I'm like, dang, what if, what if he does pitch like Tyler Anderson or Andrew Heaney did? But I'm just not sure that that's going to happen. His velo's got to get back up. At the end of the day, like, right? You know, 2019, Thor's velo was 97.8 on his fastball. This year it was 94. So like, that's a significant drop. Like when you think about it. So, can he get the velo back? Also, pretty much just a, well, I guess he had four pitches. The sinker forcing changeup in the slider. He didn't really throw the curve much this year. So, that's interesting. I I don't know. I mean, he's a tough one. I think he's going to perform better than last year, but I'm not sure we should expect too much from him.
0: Yeah, I don't think this is another Tyler Anderson situation. But what I, the first thing I thought of here was, you know, while it was, I think, a decent move for them was, you know, low risk, low not, not a lot of money, so not a big financial obligation. But kind of like, what does this do for, you know, guys like Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone, guys that we thought were the next two up, you know, when, you know, Kershaw goes on the I.L. inevitably or whoever else gets hurt, is that? I just wonder if that just delays us seeing Miller and Stone this year a little bit. That was kind of like the big takeaway I, I had from this. But who knows? We'll see. You know, Thor's not a there's still a lot of injury risk in this rotation. You know, none of these guys are, you know, beacons of durability. So I still think we see Miller and Stone at some point this year, but probably not quite as quick as we would have hoped. But I still think they're good you know th- these are guys i'm definitely targeting in like best balls and in dc formats just because of their talent and proximity so still target them there they're probably not if you're in, like a 12 team redraft or something like that they're not targets they are more deep league targets or you know like those formats like i mentioned but still like them but just probably have to wait a little bit longer to see them this year next one we have a couple others all the other pitching ones here ross stripling to the giants Andrew Heaney, the most recent reclamation project by the Dodgers, going to Texas. We already kind of talked about Quintana a little bit to the Mets. Also had Chris Bassett going to Toronto. Jamison Tyon, and I don't know if it was finalized, but it looks like Drew Smyly going to the Cubs. And Tywin Walker going to the Phillies. Man, a lot of, a lot of I don't know, not a, any big implications there for those guys maybe stripling to the Giants is you know they've done a lot of good with those guys but I think the first thing I thought of here was with Tyon and Smiley going to the Cubs where does this leave Hayden Wesneski I know a guy that you and I both like a decent amount looks like he might be out of the rotation at least start the season
1: Yeah, sadly just not sure there's a fit right now maybe he gets the fifth spot I mean they've got Adrian Sampson Kind of penciled in there. They've also got Keegan Thompson. So maybe it is a case where we see Wesneski go back to AAA and get some more work. I, I don't like that, but it kind of is what it is because you know you're guaranteed to have Stroman tie on Hendricks and Steele in the rotation, and then that leaves three for that last spot. So sadly, I think Wesneski probably does not start the season in the rotation if I had to say right now.
0: Maybe he could pitch his way. And a lot of these guys have some, a lot of injury, you know, his longer injury histories too. So maybe this is something that works itself out by opening day or early in the seasons. I think Wesesky one of their best arms, most talented arms, maybe the most talented arm. So I, I was hoping, you know, he's a guy that was targeting a good amount you know, where he was going in drafts. So it's kind of a bummer for him. The other big move the Cubs made was getting Cody Bellinger. Any thoughts there, Chris? You think? You know, it's almost one where, like, I was like, all right, maybe a change of scenery will do Bellinger good. But at the same time, it's like, if the Dodgers couldn't fix them, who can at this point? So, you know, any, uh, he's going around on, you know, give or take pick 200 or so in that range. Any appeal there? Do you think this is a good move for him? I don't <laughs> know.
1: There's, there's positives and there, there's negatives. And at the end of the day, like, what do we get out of him? I mean, he had some value last year as what, he went, I think, 2010. Batter. He provided some decent value, I'd say, for fans. 1914, and I was a little off, but the bagging average killed you. He's never been a big bagging average guy. At the end of the day, like I just want to see him bounce back to a 240 hitter. And if he's a 240 hitter, I think there's some value there. He's been such of a low Babbitt type hitter since 2020. And... I wonder if that's who he's become. It's interesting because I don't know. I mean the line drive rates have stayed pretty consistent, which is, you know does drive some Babbitt, and he's got decent speed. so it's possible that we see a Babbitt rebound, and that could fuel a little bit of you know rebound for Bellinger, so the cost is just a little higher than I want to go on him, and that probably gonna keep me out for the most part so. At the, if he was going like two fifty, then I could get behind it, but I don't know. This the the whole around two hundred. He may go even a little higher now that he's signed with the Cubs, and you know he has a chance to be the guy kind of thing. I don't know if I love that.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm still out. He has to show me a lot more. Like I said, I, I was hoping that maybe he change scenery, but you know what could the you know Cubs find that the Dodgers didn't? Obviously, the Dodgers are they seem to always find the things, and they couldn't find the, the things with Bellinger. So. I'm still out, but since you mentioned 250 range, another outfielder going in that range, very polarizing, obviously. Who would you rather have for 2023, just 2023? Bellinger or Jared Kellnick? Mm, probably Bellinger. You took go Bellinger? Yeah. I, I think I do. It's funny. I think I do lean Bellinger as well, because he's at least shown something at some point. And what have we seen from Kelnick? One month of... Of good stuff, so yeah, yeah. I still, I still hold, hold out hope, but yeah, I'd probably go Bellinger as well. Another outfielder on the move, going to the West Coast. Mitch Haneker. I've always kind of liked Mitch Haneker. Love the power. He had 11 home runs and just 247 played appearances last year with a 47.2 percent hard hit rate. He's had a barrel rate above 10 percent eat of the last four years. And had the second highest exit velocity of his career last year 91.9 miles per hour but only hit 246 with a 308 OBP brings no speed you think this is a good move for Haniger, or do you think it's kind of you know he's still gonna be what he is a good power but gotta stay in the field type of guy
1: yeah and I wonder if him being even further removed from injury will be of a benefit for him I think that's the biggest thing is that you know his struggles have come due to injuries and he missed a lot of time he came back and just didn't really hit for average. And you kind of look at the the history of his career and the down years have kind of been those years where he's been banged up. So hopefully he does stay healthy this coming year. And I think that he has more in the tank than we saw, obviously, this year. He's 2021, he hit 39 home runs. So overall, the contact skills were still exactly what you want to see. And he chased less than he did in 2021, which is pretty substantial. He hit the ball on the ground less, more line drives. So in my opinion, we do see a bit of a rebound from from Haniger, so I, I actually like this value. I think he's going in a good spot, even though he's about to turn thirty two. Man, I think there's some good days ahead for Mitch Haniger still.
0: Where was the? Do you have his ADP right in front of you.
1: I don't, but I can get it in two seconds.
0: Yeah, I'm pulling it up too here because I I wonder. See, he is higher than I thought. <laughs> yeah, one eighty one. Outfielder, 39, right, right between Oscar Gonzalez and Whit Merrifield. But at the same time, I think he is one of the outfielders I do like in in this range. I've actually started to find a few more that I like, you know, like Lars Newt bar. I, I think Nimmo is okay there. Bader's okay in that range. Oscar Gonzalez, I like a good amount too. Andrew Vaughn, he's a little higher. But I do think he's one of the outfielders I do like in that range. He's going he's mid-max, 122 to 223 so you know, maybe if you can get him 200 181 does feel a little high for him just given the injury history but I do think he could be a you know a good source of power solid counting stats I think that Sanford lineup will be you know not great but decent enough obviously adding Correa is a big help there I think they, they could have some bounce back maybe from like Mike Stremski as well so I, I don't think that's terrible value but uh I think he could be a solid kind of a three-carder guy with an average that won't kill you. So I, I think he's fine in that range.
1: Yeah. And that range is outfield bottoms out quick. So, yeah. At that spot, it's, it's okay. Like, I'm fine with it. It's, it's higher than I want it to be, but I, I'm okay with it ultimately. Okay,
0: I'd much rather have him than Verdugo's going, he's a few outfielders behind him. I'd much rather have him than, you know, at this point, would you rather have Mitch Hannegar or like a Giancarlo Stanton?
1: That's a good question. And Stanton's um, going
0: about thirty-five, forty picks ahead of Hanninger even. So I mean, I
1: feel like they're pretty similar, like value-wise, right. you know, like what they can bring to the table. They both provide injury risk. I mean, like some of the names behind them are just weird, like that are pretty close by, <laughs> I mean, right? Brandon Demo going that high, like he does, he just never stays healthy. You've got Bellinger, you've got Riley Green. I don't know what to make of Riley Green, to be honest. You got Whit Merrifield; like, we don't even know if he's going to play every day. Like, that's a pretty substantial thing. You mentioned Verdugo; I just don't like Verdugo for fantasy purposes. I don't want anything to do with him. So, gosh, the fact that like Joey Manessis and Seth Brown are up here, like, right around two hundred as well, is just quite interesting.
0: Yeah. Also, I realize I don't
1: I don't have it filtered by Draft Champions, which probably is affecting that a bit, but
0: Ah, that's you know probably not too much, but. Yeah, it is a it's a very weird section of outfielders. Obviously, it, it kind of like when you get past like the Quan Ward McCarthy Santander range, it's a lot of question marks. You know, even even the guys I like, you know, in that range, like I mentioned like Oscar Gonzalez, you know, even Mitch Haniger, Riley Green, all these guys have a lot of question marks. Elar's newtbar Morell, Conforto, even the ones I do like have question marks. So yeah, he's definitely one of them there. But that, you know, it's pulling up the the potential lineup here. And, you know, it looks like you'll probably do Thyro lead to leadoff. This scored on to roster resource. So take it, you know, with a grain of salt. But Mike Yastrzemski in the two hole, Correa, Jock Peterson, Mitch Hanager, Crawford, JD Davis, Lamonte Way Jr., Joey Barr probably get some, you know, platoons in there as well. But, you know, so it, it's still, I think it could be like a mid, kind of middle of the road lineup, but. I still think it's just the health with Haniger. If he can stay healthy, he's a 30-homer bat, but we'll see if he can stay healthy here. That's obviously the uh, big thing with him. All right, Any, another move that might have some implications here, even though the player signing himself doesn't, but Mike Zadina going to the Cleveland Guardians might delay the arrival of Bo Naylor. So is, is Naylor a guy that you would still target in 2023 leagues, Chris?
1: Sadly, I don't think so. I I really hate the move. I just don't know like what they're getting at here with this signing. I mean, I guess they want to be competitive, so it's kind of a you know, fallback option at least. So to me, it tells me they weren't ready to make Naylor the everyday guy. Maybe it's a situation where we see some platoon action. I mean, Naylor does bat left-handed and Zanino right, but I just don't think Zanino's going to come in and knock it Reps, even though Zanino's just been atrocious, he's hit over 200 just once in the last four seasons. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's not good. Last year, he had an OBP below 200. I Wait, he had an
0: OBP below 200? Yeah, I mean, it's just what? 123 plate appearances, but his OBP was 195. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I knew it was bad. I don't know if his OBP was below. Yeah. That, yeah, that's taking the Mendoza line to a whole nother level. Yeah, when it's your of, OVP of yuck. Yeah, that's not good. I'm Obviously, not sure. Does he, he bring value? He can hit tanks, but yeah. what's that?
1: Does he bring value in it with his glove? Like, I don't. I don't
0: it, it was a head scratcher all the way around. Like, what if you were bringing in, like, you know, someone better? I, okay, sure, but you're bringing in Mike Zunino? It just, It was just a head scratcher. Like, what is. Even if you're you know, you think that Naylor's not quite ready to be your everyday catcher for a contending team, you bring in Zunino though, it's just it's a head scratcher all around.
1: Yeah, he doesn't like he's good at throwing out runners either. He's just like okay at that. Gets I mean, he had twenty stolen base attempts last year in thirty four games and they were successful sixteen times, so it seems like People want to run on him a lot, which is interesting. So you're right; it's just kind of a head scratcher all around. I feel like,
0: yeah, absolutely. All right, I think that's going to wrap us up, though. Keep you right at a tidy hour mark here. Thanks to everyone for tuning in again to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter: Chris is at Roto Clay. I am at Eric Cross 4 and our shows is at Fantrax at Fantrax Tools. Excuse me, and check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ Ftn for me as well and pitch list for Chris or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk as we get into our dynasty ranking series. Can't wait for that. But until then, everyone take care.